This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. I've read way too much on this, um, but I'm pretty confident in that thinking, you've heard me say it before, sometimes a couple things can be true at the same time. One thing being said doesn't have to contravene uh, the other one and vice versa. Climate change, incredibly real incredibly concerning. We should probably use fewer fossil fuels. We should probably look for a balancing act between the fossil fuels we must use and alternate forms of energy. Maybe that means having an electric vehicle, but maybe that means having one of your two cars, if you have two cars, be an electric vehicle and the other be an internal combustion engine until there's a time when it shouldn't be. I watched all the coverage on the weekend of these tragic, tragic scenarios in Kelowna, British Columbia, and in Yellowknife in the Northwest Territories. It's terrible, and it may end up being the story of the day today, given some of the weather circumstances in Yellowknife are going to play havoc with that town. Basically, in Yellowknife, there's only a couple thousand people left. And before I get to, I wouldn't necessarily say theories about this, but just practical concepts about why this has happened, where it's happening, And where it's not happening whatsoever across the world and North America, I think it's worth going there first and getting a feel for just the human emotion of this particular tragedy. It's awful. It's terrible. It is. It does feel unprecedented in our lifetime to lose this much and have this many people lose this much collectively and individually. No question about it. Daryl Schultz is a Yellowknife resident. Here's him explaining to Global News. Uh, and a reporter there about just finding out on the cell phone that he'd lost his home. There was nothing to go back to. I have nothing, nothing left. Everything's burnt, gone. How yeah. are you feeling? Oh, don't know. Sad. Yeah. Don't know what I'm going to do. It's pretty terrible stuff. Um, the fire chief in Yellowknife, Ross Kocharovsky went out of his way to praise firefighters, but he was overcome with an emotion with emotion and could barely get through a few sentences. Ah, uh, sorry. It's been a long few days. Um, I just want to congratulate all our firefighters. Um, you know, there's people up there working 36, 48 hour shifts and they take an absolute beating. Um, they know their family's being evacuated while they're trying to defend their neighbor's home. And they just keep going. Remember where all this uh, forest fire slash wildfire stuff started in terms of coverage in the last couple of weeks, Maui in Hawaii. And it seems like it's pretty laid out. There was an incredibly poor response to those fires and the fires burning in Maui are a direct result of the passing of Hurricane Dora, bit of a, a, a fluky circumstance. And you pair that and really, in essence, triple or quadruple the problematic scenario there with the wind high winds dry air hurricane dora it's really terrible so uh, climate change real concerning affecting many many things on the planet it affects farming it affects travel it affects a ton of things and i think wildfires in canada you could say well there's a part of climate change that's being played here But right now, right now, when I look at the scenario and I try and be smart about it, there's no correlation of fire intensity with increasing emissions. It's not that it's unscientific, but 
climate change equals forest fires does not totally add up. We're having its our, our worst year as a country for wildfires. Absolutely, we are. But in 2020, we had our lowest year for forest fires since 1982. Before uh, this year, the year prior, 2022, fewer uh, areas in terms of uh, burn in Canada than 1989, 1995, 1996, 1997, 2001, 2004, and eight of the last 11 years. I don't have an answer for why that is, but there is no clear trend in increasing wildfires in Canada increased with, uh, w- associated with increased carbon emissions. For some reason, fires burned in the lowest area in Europe in a decade. I've seen the fires from Greece. Greece had a ton of burn this year, but there's many other places with very little burn. You can name the countries. So we need to figure this out. Forest fires are a natural phenomenon. It's a natural phenomenon. Absolutely it is. And there's always going to be areas that burn. This is concerning, but these need conversations. These need people to sit around a table and talk together about this particular situation. Air quality problems due to fires in California used to be way, way worse than they were. 30 years ago, they were. And I think it's a fair conversation to ask about how you manage forests. There's debate in even in environmental groups, even in pro-environmental groups, about how you clear forests. Do you clear the deadwood debris that accumulates on the floor? Do you remove it via controlled burns? Do you do it mechanically? They dis- they dispute whether you should, the methodology by which to do that, but in terms of the debate, then nothing gets done and there's enough on the ground to fuel a major fire. So there's got to be rational conversations about this. Rising temperatures have an impact. They absolutely do. But it's pretty tough to determine, by the way, where are all the wildfires in the continental U.S.? Where are they? I'm missing where they are. You don't think there'd be coverage? Maui, Kelowna, Yellowknife. Of course, we'd be talking more about them if temperatures are rising very slowly, and they are, and rising temperatures bring about forest fires. Where they are, are they in the continental U.S. who are having their quietest forest fire season in eight years? None of this is conspiracy. None of this is conjecture. It's based on data, and it's based on absolutely logical situations. So we've got to cover this better. We've got to talk about why it's happening, and we've got to talk about the role climate change plays in it. And hopefully that's something that will transpire because this is not unprecedented, but we can't be irrational about it either. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. Sheba Siddiqui away uh, with us for a, a period of time. Now, August 3rd, as I'm looking at, it came out in the morning. So it must have been August 2nd, which is about, which is 19 days ago, Justin Trudeau and his wife, Sophie, separating after 18 years of marriage. And you find this out again. This isn't something we talked about because it would have been a lot of speculation and innuendo and whatnot. But, but I think I I need to tell you how I found this out. I want to know how you found it out for sure. But, but it, it was sort of that everybody's saying like, it's one of the worst kept secrets in Ottawa and then people weren't like coming out now. Have you ever heard this secret before? The news that they were separating did not surprise me one bit. Brady, how have we never had this conversation? We never had this conversation, I guess. I was shocked. So here I am. Okay, we're in Pisa. You know the Leaning Tower of Pisa? Yeah. We're in Pisa. Okay, we're there. It's a day trip from Florence. Uh, We decide to climb it to the top. That's part of our ticket. So we're in. It's this really narrow, tight passageway. 
<laughs> so we're climbing it and there's people going up and there's people coming down. It's complete chaos. We get to the top, take some pictures. It's beautiful, great experience. And we're coming down, but there's a huge lineup to come down. It looks like there's only, I'm looking at it, there's only so many, like about seven layers of floor. And, yeah, there are, it and there are, it's about 500 steps. They probably it's probably only like 100 people that can be climbing it at, at a I'd, given time. Yes, right? yes, Maybe? but 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 it's just back to back. You're like sandwiched in, and then yeah. you have to wait for people to pass you so you can go start going back. Not down. great for the claustrophobic. No, it look actually, like. no. I had to start, and I'm a little bit claustrophobic. So I had, anyway, so we're there, and you know, it's just chaos. So you're trying to get down. You want some fresh air. Everybody's sandwiched together, and then all of a sudden, I, my Apple Watch news alert goes off. <laughs> Okay, middle of, of leading tarp. And I scream. Like, I scream. So my husband's at the front. I'm at the back. We got the kids between us. He freezes. Like, oh, what's wrong with her? All these people going up. Everybody stops. Like, what is wrong with this lady? And I look at him with panic in my eyes. And I say, Justin and Sophie are getting divorced. That's right. That's right. And he just rolled his eyes and just kept Cause, going. Because it didn't surprise him either. No. Well, maybe not. <laughs> Actually, it didn't at all. Because uh, all that's all I wanted to talk about for the next six hours of that trip of, uh, to Pisa. Thank you, Justin. Was that when the situation, he wasn't surprised. And you're telling me you're not surprised. I was very surprised. Well, the surprise isn't maybe that they've been um, distant in their marriage, but what and I can understand the debate about this because we're talking about something that's now 19 days ago. But I think people are wondering what brought this on. Why now? How? Where? There's never one thing, right? Like if if a couple that I knew or of you knew said no. we're splitting, I'm like, well, this wasn't something that where it was perfect 24 hours prior. I wouldn't think okay, unless who someone has spent their entire. That's. I mean, I'm inclined to say that they did it mutually. Oh, come on. I really on. am. Boring. No. Well, I know that it, that it is. No. I, I don't think, think it was Sophia. Big... I think it was her. Um, and by the way, just to to bring you into modern times, uh, August 21st, <laughs> she put out some photos over the weekend. She did. She did her first social media. Because Trudeau did it, was it only last week that he went to see Barbie? Or was that two weeks ago? So, yeah, it was two weeks ago. Times he went a flat see, circle. Yes. I don't but know. But that was, I mean, that was a smart political move on his part. He knew about the, the, the lashing he'd get for posting that picture of him and his son. It in is silly. T-shirts. Don't use Xavier, young Xavier like that. Oh, just go to the movie. And anything. But they're in Tofino right now. Yeah, and she posted a bunch of pictures, and you know what? I actually really love. Uh, there, there are very few and far couples I know who, when they separate and when they divorce, who still travel with their kids together as a family. I actually love that. I love. I feel like it's only celebrities, and I feel like it's only for show. No, I, don't feel I, I like know real, one couple. I don't feel like real people. Unless no, real people. I know one Toronto couple who still does with, it. With okay, would you? You would never do it without being parent parents. Oh, of course not. What's right? the point? You're doing it for the kids. So then, at a certain point, you stop doing it for the kids. And what age is that that you stop doing it for the kids? Because if. I get it if you're handling a toddler, a, a five-year-old, but I don't think... No, even teenagers, I think. I don't think you want... I don't think an 18 and 16-year-old want split parents. I think they want their parents. Uh, I think they want their parents together, whatever way it is. If it's okay, again. Different it, hotel rooms, different whatever it is, but I think, yeah, go, that those are Every relationship is unique. The biggest thing, because uh, I, I do want to get to also the big Taylor Swift news before we go, but, but in this segment anyway, but... The other concept was the biggest thing that I said without getting into their marriage. It's none of anybody's business. But that said, he's a public figure. Could he campaign? Could he campaign to be prime minister again with a public girlfriend? Oh, Could he have a girlfriend out there because we've just never. I don't think so. 
I don't know. We've never had Look, this scenario out there in Canada or even his, in the United States. He's in the role that he is primarily because of who his father was. And his father, we all know him. He was uh, a single dad in office. And Justin's going that way as well. And you can see it. You can see he's going to he's going to lean into that. The hardworking single dad who wants to be involved with the kids, who's got a great relationship with his ex-wife because they still travel together. This whole thing, I think this is really going to help him because most of this country hates him. <laughs> I really. wouldn't say most of it does. Oh, I would think most I of wouldn't. it does. No, I I. Him himself and what he's done to the country, I would say they do. Don't you think there's a chance he could get he could get no, but, reelected but, again with no, a minority government? No, no, that's government? not the point. Doesn't mean that they hate the liberal liberal party. Mm. It's him himself. So a lot of people think, okay, the devil they know is worse than the devil they don't, which is PP Pierre Polyev. So I think for that, in that reason, he's still the liberal party still has a chance. But Justin himself, I think people are fed up and, and finished with. Him. And they may not get divorced. So his dad got married in 1971. Uh, he was he was. 51, and she was 22. No, I didn't know that. I didn't know it was that much of a discrepancy. (laughs) 51 and 22. And then they split in 77, but didn't get divorced till 84. So they're only married like five and a half years. And if they announce a separation in 77, that's right. But, but they, she was a partier. You don't, can't blame her. She got married at 21. Of course, you've right. gotten out of your system at that point. He, uh, and it was the 70s, so lots of people, my parents probably included, were had big systems back then. I don't know. They were getting a lot a lot in and a lot out of their system, I feel like. It's just a different time. Um, I Do you not- think he's Canada's most eligible bachelor? <laughs> I think well, he is. I, I think so. I think people would judge his next step. About who it is. That oh, in- you know there are women in Ottawa, single women in Ottawa, who are vying for this now to get on his arm. And maybe Sophie's a catch as well. I don't know. Oh, Sophie's definitely a catch. Is but she I think she's, she seems more level-headed, more focused on her kids and just herself. He's, I, he's a, he's, I think he's a party boy. I knew that Trudeau had dated Margot Kidder, but I did not know who was Lois Lane and Superman in those uh Superman movies with Christopher Reeve. I did not know he dated Barbara Streisand before yes, he got married. I, I saw did that not too. Know this. I read that as well in the last few weeks. Yeah. What an oddity. Like that's uh, again in a uh, pre, basically a pre where most people had black and white televisions. That's an odd thing, let alone an internet era that would have exploded everything. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. So last week, uh, and you probably heard it well documented on this show, I know other shows talked about it as well, what's happening is that Toronto's looking for uh, what gets called revenue tools. That's a little bit dangerous. A little bit dangerous when you hear someone's looking for a revenue tool because it often means there's a tax involved. Now, um, I have been pro the idea of cities having more say in their finances. It doesn't happen in Canada. At some point, when probably everybody was wearing those hats with feathers in them or dressing up like judges with like white wigs and wearing tights, I feel like, and you're not actually on the high school wrestling team. When that happened, we drew up charters that just prevented cities in this country from making their own revenue. I'll never understand how that was considered a good concept, but the idea is is that cities go to the province or the federal government and they have to ask. And they have to ask. And now and then you'll see the city swoop in. Here's some money. I'm the super finance minister. It doesn't matter who it's been before. You could go back to Mark Lalonde in the Trudeau days. You could go, Christian Freeland just did it with a bunch of electric buses. 
But when it came to money for other things, the migrant crisis, people sleeping on the floor of the city, um, other infrastructure issues right now, right now, anyway, the World Cup of soccer, federal government's not in and the provincial government's not in. They're like, nah, could that change? Obviously, it could. But you like you probably are somebody financially that wants to put your own destiny in your own hands and cities can't do it. They don't have one hand tied behind the back. They've got all 10 fingers. If you count the thumbs behind their back, they, they have no free hand to raise money on their own except by cutting infrastructure. Now, two things can be true at the same time. Here's our latest edition. One, I think the city could use a municipal sales tax going forward to raise their own infrastructure. I would want that to come out of the HST right now, the 13% that the two bigger levels of government have. Then you've got a scenario where the federal federal and provincial governments say, well, you don't need as much. And that would be true. That would be accurate. I don't think the idea of then taxing things at one or one and a half percent plus the 13% sits very well with a lot of people in Toronto right now. I don't. I don't think higher property taxes do. I don't think the concept of tax period does. If anything goes up, this was the concept with Olivia Chow when she was running for office. Anna Bylaw's campaign used a clip. It's a little, it wasn't spliced together, but she did say, I am ready to tax. Many other candidates, Brad Bradford, Josh Mallow, Mitzi Hunter said, Olivia, you're not giving us any detail. You're not telling us what you would do financially and that concerned people. Now, some platforms were more specific than others. Mitzi Hunter would always hold up that blue binder and it had a lot of a lot that was in there for revenue in or out of this particular city. And Josh Madlow was very specific and said there will be a slight levy, if you will, a tax that goes up. He called it the price of a sandwich for a month. So even if that even if that was accurate, and I'm not stating that it's not, it's something. You're at least giving people a number here. You know that Chicago, for example, gets a 1.25% tax on the 10.25% that's charged. How does that break down? How could we see that breaking down for Chicago? Well, there's no federal tax when you buy something. I always use the case you're buying a, a pair of sneakers or whatever. But let's say it's something different. Let's say it's a restaurant bill. Let's say it's a, it's a hotel bill. Illinois gets 625 Cook County gets 1.75. That could handle infrastructure outside of the city proper. And Chicago gets 1.25. And the Regional Transport Authority, what a concept, transport, like transit, the thing that Olivia Chow does want us all to take more often, gets 1%. It all adds up to 10.25%. But you could never say again that the city doesn't get its own money. You could never claim again that Chicago uh, can't do this and can't do that because they don't have that quote-unquote revenue tool. Here's what Chow said on Thursday. We talked about it on Friday's show about the potential for the city to do this and the concept of what people in the city deserve. And I know, I know that made people hesitate a little bit with that particular D word, but here's what she said. We in Toronto deserve, and all the residents deserve a city where you can rely on the TTC, fast, reliable, and affordable, where you can find housing that is, again, affordable, where you can have public services that you can rely on, trees, parks, 
school, libraries, community centers. Okay, I like all those things. I don't have a real beef with anything Olivia Chow said there. And imagine a politician being honest enough to say, I might have to raise taxes on you. We've had more than enough politicians say they'll do one thing and then it's a bait and switch. I'll cut your tax. I'll drop this. I'll drop that. And in the long run, well, sometimes when taxes get cut, services get cut. Rich people don't care as much about services. They just pay for their own services. But when it comes to things like daycare, transit, rebates for electric vehicles, you name it, this, the fitness credits for kids playing sports, you name it, ordinary Canadians end up suffering. They do. But that said, I think the call here for Doug Ford's a really interesting one. At times, he's been accused since being premier in 2018 and even prior to about having a bit of a revenge tour against the city of Toronto taking the amount of wards and slicing them from 44 to 25 in the middle of an election. Candidates have declared races are being run. Debates are being organized. Signs are up. And he's like, no, this election coming up, you're going to have 25 wards and not 44. You could have told us two months ago. It's not like the concept was that for and the idea of downsizing municipal government, municipal responsibility. Maybe 44 was cumbersome. Maybe it was unwieldy, but so much of it's about timing. And we already know this concept of a tension right now between Doug Ford and the city and Doug Ford and Olivia Chow. And by the way, he always was going to reject the idea of tolling the DVP. It's not going to happen. The Gardner Expressway, it's not going to happen. It was floated. We asked John Tory this on this show, Toronto Today. It became a news story. It was in all the papers. And Ford flatly said a day later, it won't, it won't happen. And by the way, Kathleen Wynne rejected this concept as well. I don't know if it ever crossed Dalton McGinty's desk, but I know Wynne rejected it. Ford rejected it. The next premier will reject it as well. It won't happen. But the concept is, can we shave off some of the HST and let cities put their own tax in? Because, by the way, if you let Toronto do it, you're going to have to let the other cities do it. Love to know your thoughts on it. 416-870-6400 via text. 416-870-6400. Toronto's in a mess. Toronto's in some real financial trouble. My worry is Doug Ford will absolutely push back on the idea of a tax. Why? Because he will make the point, and I think it's fair game right now, is Toronto looking under the couch cushions? Is Toronto doing enough to to recognize waste, excess, duplication, shared departments, or departments that could be shared that are independent right now? I didn't see any of that last week. I saw none of that. I didn't see a house on fire or a billion and a half dollars in debt urgency from the mayor, and I don't see it from city council and even from some of the city councilors. Look, we had Gord Perks on our show on Friday. I thought he made some salient points about you have to have a baseline of service. You have to have a baseline of understanding and compassion for people in the city. But when I asked him about the World Cup of Soccer, he said, well, people like those sort of things. Yeah, they do. But spending millions upon millions with a bad deal with MLSE is something that the city council should have had some oversight about. And so should the previous mayor. And by the way, let's is this going to hurt businesses in Toronto? If I need gas, will I drive a short distance to where the gas is slightly cheaper? I might just do that. Will I stay in a hotel just outside the Toronto border? Don't think uh, retailers in Toronto aren't thinking about this. They don't want to tax you more. 
but they don't want to lose out on other things as well. It's a really tricky conversation. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. When I'm alone in my room, sometimes I stare at the wall and in the back of my mind, I hear my conscience call telling me... All right, I did this to myself. I walked right into the vocals. It's impossible to avoid with this particular song. But listen, any old radio show, any show not named Toronto Today... With Greg Brady, Shiba Siddiqui, Gordon, Rainey, Dave Bradley. Anybody can play Mama Said Knock You Out as an intro. Anybody could do that. Or even going back to Cali off that amazing Less Than Zero soundtrack. I'll, I'll have the screening on my friend Lana of Less Than Zero at noon today if I thought people would come and watch it again with me. Robert Downey Jr. is amazing in that. But uh, this is I Need Love by LL Cool J. It's a very first song I ever heard on the radio. And Shiba, I'm... No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. It's the first LL Cool J song I heard. Oh, LL Cool J song. I yeah. Ever, no, okay. no, not the first ever song. Okay, that's too sad. <laughs> but he was he was 19 when he recorded this. Wow. And uh, I remember getting back from camp in 1987, hearing it on the radio, and we knew who LL Cool J was from his first album, but I'm like, okay, he's going to get big. Although I listen to the lyrics now, and this feels a little coercive towards whoever his girlfriend is. I think there's some... Like, there's not... We're not talking blackmail, but there's like a hey. So I mean, cancel him? Is that what you're saying? No, but he is he is. There, I think t- I think this happens in teenage life. You're a bit like, hey. I mean, <laughs> when are we moving to the next level here? I'm just asking. That's what that feels like. What the song is anyway. I don't think he had to worry about finding love after he became a star. Still, no, um, he didn't. Still married to his. Uh, I don't know if it was his first love. Um, from I need love, but um, still yes. married, and that's important because yes. what do you think? What do you think LL Cool J's net worth is, according to, um, you know, very reliable source, the internet, Sheba? Give me a guess on... Oh, my... I can't. I was wondering this. I was... This weekend, I was wondering, how much is he worth now? I always love playing that game. What an, an artist takes $100 out of his primary checking account or her primary checking account. I don't think he's What's worth the balance? Much. And it's... He doesn't have to... It's higher than you think. How much is it? Give me a guess. Oh my goodness. Gordon, you give me a I'm guess and set a set a price. You can be it's like the first price is right. Guesser out of the four. There's more nerves. I'm gonna I go get low it. five million, ten million. No. No, it's higher than that. Way more. Think? I thought I would imagine he blew it all. That's no. gotta be on what? Instruments? Like uh well, that's mixers what rappers and tend to do, especially the ones from you know, the old old rappers. Bad they, record label deals, signing acts that don't sell. I'm saying lawsuits. I think he's closer to like a hundred million or more. No, he's worth, he's worth 120 million dollars. No, Shiba, you guys. yeah, he is, man. Yeah, because he, he. So he kept it. He's stayed married. Yeah. He hasn't yes. had a lot of. It doesn't look like a lot of bad investments. He's 55, so he's been at this for. Success didn't come to him late. I totally missed the mark. <laughs> but that's a lot. That's a, but I just assume he's been going at it since he was 19, that he just blew through all of his money because I went to go see him on Saturday night. Yes, at, you did. This is why we're doing this. Yes, yeah. at Scotiabank Arena. And I figured it was a really small, like it was just it was just the lowers, the lowers and then the general admission. That's what Scotiabank Arena, there was, the uppers were closed. And I was looking around thinking, okay, if he's going around doing this, how much money is he? He obviously needs the money. No, I don't think he does. I think he just no. wants to be out and doing it yeah. again. I th- he hasn't toured in like 10 well, now years. I don't know how much he's worth. That's why I thought he was he's just blown through all of his money. <laughs> yeah. He's a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer now, so that that's it's yeah. like a baseball Hall of Famer that's worth more money to you when you sign autographs and stuff. So he, this concert was amazing for the record. Yeah. It was like it was a last minute thing. We had just gone back from Italy. We needed to get away from our kids. 
We're like, let's do a date night. I looked it up. I'm like, you know what? Let's go. Let's go. We both like Ella Cool J. I mean, for different, very different reasons. Okay. Why does? Why do you like him? And why does? Oh, your I husband? just like you know, hey, lover, and you know, fit. I just I, I I've always found him to be very attractive. So the 16 year old in me was sort of stirring at Scotiabank Arena on Saturday night, and I was I was sort of fangirling. And at like he's just he's he was very attractive. In all those little videos. And then my husband, you know, he liked, you know, like the the harder rap side, I guess, of him. Oh, the harder rap side? Okay. Because um, I'm seeing um, some of his set. Did he cover Don't Stop Believing? Did he do that? I don't. I'm seeing that he did it in Vancouver. So I never I knew that he did that. I don't think that. he did it. I don't remember. Okay. But he did Around so the Way So he was girl. on and off. He, he did. Came, oh, yeah. He did all the So hits. he came out. He looked amazing. Yeah. But he has age. I was surprised at how old he looks because... I mean, hey, black don't crack. That's the saying, right? Black I people, hear that. Like, they I've age, heard that. Yes, they, they I, yeah. age very well. But he looked, and he's only- I tattooed that on my Do you know how arm. old he is? Well, I do know. So ask Gord. I, do, I know already. Okay, Gord, how old do you think I'll cool Jay is? Ladies love you got, cool You were close on the money. Get the age right now. But didn't you say he was in his 50s? Well, I yeah. didn't say anything, did I? <laughs> Maybe he's 55. <laughs> I think I did. All right. He's, I'm 55. he's 55. He's got four kids. He's got grandkids, I believe. Uh, and he was up there and he killed it. And then he left for a little bit and Queen Latifah came out. They had Jadakiss. They had an empty handle. They had um, DJ Jazzy Jeff was on stage. He was one of the DJs. And he had a t-shirt that said Summertime, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the oh, Fresh Prince. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so he gave a little ode to Will Smith on that, even though I don't know who Will Smith is. I know. Well, you're, you're, we mentioned all the news you missed in three weeks um, with being away, Justin's separation, Taylor Swift's concerts, the the green belt and your big news. Like you contacted all of us last summer because Will Smith made a video <laughs> finally talking about the slap and he hadn't before. So I think you were somewhere famous in some amazing international European city then. And you're like, Paris. guys, Will Smith, you're like at the, probably at the foot of the Eiffel tower or something. <laughs> When Will Smith decided to explain himself. Yeah, well, I found it nice that he had that T-shirt. He's obviously standing beside his friend. Uh, you know what, though? I will say it was a fantastic concert. I really enjoyed myself. It was all people of my demographic and older. There were no young people there. Really? Uh, yes, none. And it was great. I loved it. I, I have to say, I'm going to get a lot of hate for this. I enjoyed it way more than Beyonce. You can say that. That's okay. Who's I had gonna, way more fun. The Beehive's not coming after oh, you. Oh, the Beehive's, but they're they're vicious. But I just, I didn't enjoy the Beyonce concert. I, I think I fell asleep at one point. Um, <laughs> you also drove. And I'm curious about that decision. My son wanted me to drive me to drive him last night to Toronto FC. And I'm like, nah, not in a million years. I knew people were coming down to see the National at Bud Stage. The c and always busy on that first Sunday night because nobody's got to go anywhere. Nobody's doing back to school shopping yet. And Toronto FC is playing at 7.30. So I'm like, not in a, and people are coming back from being away for the weekend. I'm like, not in, so not on your go, life good. am I driving to exhibition. And good I took the decision. go train instead. But you drove to Scotiabank Arena on Saturday. We did. Well, you know what it is? We usually, we make it a date night. So we'll go out for dinner. We'll pick a restaurant, you know, somewhere in downtown Toronto. And we'll, we want to try out something well, that we Well, taking the love. train doesn't stop you from doing no, that. No, because then you got to take the, the an Uber or the subway or something to the restaurant. So we just drive to the restaurant and then we'll drive to Scotiabank Arena, which is works out fine. That's fine. There's no issue there. But I've learned from this summer, driving home is such an awful It's an or It's horrific. It took us, it's a 25 minute drive to get from Scotiabank Arena to our house. It took us over an hour and a half. How much of that is just getting out Sitting of the there. city? Oh, just uh, more probably, than half. Probably 45 minutes of it. Right. But here's the thing. He drives... 
I put my seat down and I go to sleep. I literally go to sleep. And all I hear is him mumbling and sometimes swearing. And like this, it's just chaos. First of all, it's the traffic. Secondly, it's the construction. And then there was a there was the Ella Cool J concert Saturday night. There was the Jonas Brothers concert. There was the C&E happening. It was just, and then you're telling me Toronto FC? Were they playing on uh, Sunday? Sunday, not oh, Saturday. Sunday. Okay. Yeah, it, would... it was complete chaos downtown. And honestly... I'm old. I'm going to age myself here. And, you know, I don't smoke up. All you smell is weed downtown now in the summer. On the streets, it is true. Everywhere. It is it's accurate. Just weed. It's just marijuana. That's all you smell. That's why this guy was asking this particular question. Here. What's up with the traffic in Toronto? I mean. We were talking about Tom. <laughs> On the way, we were like, Tom Cruise has got it right. The tra- It's complete <laughs> chaos. And it's intentional. Like, why are you closing down? Why are you bringing it to like one lane of the highway on a Saturday night at midnight? I almost tweeted it out on uh, yesterday. Just ask a question, but then I'm like, somebody will. Uh, I, I'm just like, I, I'm I'm doing this. It's only going to cause more harm than good. And Young in front basically is down like one lane each way, not five lanes, it's not nuts. two lanes on each side, and a turning lane to get on the front to go west. It's down to one lane. And there's just this pile of gravel sitting there. Gordon and I have to take, we have to go. It makes me so angry to hear that. We have to go up Parliament to front and it's been closed a month. It's, yeah. And, and they it don't care. adds about, even when, even when we leave, 10.30 in the morning, 11 o'clock, it adds probably 20 minutes. Like I go up Jarvis to I get to front now. I think that's insane. I think, it, yeah. and they don't care. They How don't is care. it okay on a Saturday night to take forty-five minutes to get onto the highway from Jarvis, from Young, from wherever it is? How is that okay in our city? I just think it's crazy. I'm going to Guns and Roses in two weeks, and my husband's not coming. It's me, and I literally I'm already have anxiety about the drive home. You got to take the train. I don't know what to tell you. Do not do this to yourself. Yeah, maybe I will that night. It's Labor Day weekend, isn't it? Or it's just before? It's, it's Labor like Day f- weekend. That's when they're in. That's where they're here. Yeah. Don't do this. Do, I, I would not. Do, I would not take the car, and I would not watch um, any videos of Axel singing in the last six eight months. <laughs> he might have had a bad night the one night I saw. I went to in 2017. I thought he was brilliant, but I'm worried it's six years later. But he doesn't look the same. I've seen. Well, little, I know he doesn't know look he the same. Yeah. Him. That's I don't know if that's should he have been botoxing or did he botox <laughs> no, too much? Nobody should botox. No, I got a botox no, success just, story you know, to tell you about. Hit the treadmill, Axel. I got a botox success story. I'll tell you about. I don't There's know if I can no tell you. There's no such thing, but we have to talk. Oh, about there it. really is.